0: Stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. All right, folks, here we are. We are right in the midst of the holiday season. Barely past Thanksgiving, and we're marching towards all those holidays. I don't care whether you're celebrating Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or whatever. It always happens, you suddenly are like, I have got so much holiday stuff going on and ooh, I wish I had somebody to do this with. Yes, this is one of those episodes where we're gonna talk about how do you find your person or maybe you don't find your person. Maybe you need to just come into being really good with being single in the LGBTQ space. Well, guess what? We have a beautiful guest on today who is an ally with a capital A who loves helping anyone find their match. Even if that match may mean, yeah, being single is probably where you're supposed to be. Her name is Tammy Shackley. She is an LGBTQ relationship expert and she is president of one of the country's premier LGBTQ certified matchmaking companies. And don't go, oh no, I don't need a matchmaker. Some of you do. Some of you absolutely need a matchmaker. So Tammy, I am so excited to have you here today and sharing and being an ally again. I've already said this to you before we recorded, but thank you for being just who you are in our world for our community. I appreciate you so much.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And it's my pleasure, delight, and truly an honor. When I started my company, you know, almost, I started the research a dozen years ago. And I didn't even know the term straight ally. I think I've always been one, but -hmm. I was looking to help provide a service in a community I was not even a member of. And I couldn't believe somebody hadn't already started it. So I hope we can inspire all singles.
0: Well, and I think the thing is, is, you know, this is a, this is a niche. There's a huge niche. I mean, I've, I've talked with, I mean, I had lots of different matchmakers on, but I love that you're coming from the space of the ally and bringing like, hey, just because you might be LGBTQ doesn't mean I can't help you. And I'm not knocking anybody who's part of my community who does this work either. But what I have found is sometimes it helps to have that person that quote, doesn't have any skin in the game, so to speak, to be that ally, that set of eyes that says, hey, here's what I'm seeing. And love is love and relationships are relationships. I don't think anybody's going to say, oh, because you're gay, it's so much different. It is different. I'm going to say that, but it's all so much similar, too. So um, so you told me an interesting little story right before we came on the air that kind of was like an inspiration to you thinking about doing this. You actually had a, a an ally friend in grade school, and then suddenly it's like, oh, okay, I get this. So I would love for you to share that little story because that was so cute. I loved it.
1: You bet. Well, I met my husband because I hired a matchmaker. I'd been married before, no kids, and to a great guy, but I was ready to uh, meet a man that loved me back, is what I told the matchmaker. So I didn't feel like I needed a matchmaker. I wanted one. I didn't want to do online dating. I wanted, uh, I loved my job. I'd worked in news, politics, philanthropy. I was running the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So I left my hours dedicated to my work, and I wanted to outsource the search for the caliber of man that I would marry again. So years later, when a gay friend asked, you know, will you uh, help me find a matchmaker? That's how it began. And when I attended my first gay chamber of commerce luncheon in Austin, Texas, I literally whispered at the registration desk and asked, am I allowed to be here? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, you're a straight ally. And I said, there's a name for it. (laughs) In my research through Facebook, I went back to what I thought was maybe my first friend that I used to kind of mama bear in Mm. second grade and protect him from the bullies and always invited him to hang out with us girls on the playground. And I found him on Facebook and I said, I don't know if you remember me, but I think you were my first friend I was protective over. And he said, yes, I am a gay man. I'm partnered and happy. And yes, I remember you. And though that's when I thought maybe this was a calling, maybe my whole life of being a straight ally when I didn't know it was a thing to aspire to be. It's right. just how I was born, that it was my calling to serve the community in a way that I could.
0: Mm. And that's such an interesting thing to see how life brings us these twists and turns. And then the next thing you know, here we are, you know. So as you started to realize, OK, there, there is a beautiful space for this. Um, what fears, if anything, came up?
1: Oh, absolutely. The timing was interesting. I call it the Chick-fil-A debacle. <laughs> so the, that <laughs> was going on at the time, the kiss-in and all of that. And yeah. so I wondered, as a straight ally, would I be targeted by mm-hmm, haters? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm prepared for that to happen, but I didn't want to be naive about it either. And so I had a fear about being judged those that didn't understand that I was leading with love and trying to bring more love within the community by simply interviewing the most eligible singles and simply introducing them to each other. How harmless is that, right? The other thing I worried about was a very conservative family member I had back in rural Oklahoma um, mm-hmm. when I, I cause her a heart attack. Um, the reality is she knew what I was doing and she didn't reveal it to me. I didn't reveal it to her. And she was but supportive behind the scene mm-hmm. and uh, from a very conservative Christian family who I was fearing would sp- pray for my spirituality, you know, right, right. and she, some of the fears I had prepared for really were further signs of straight alliedness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's something that's, always at the back of everybody's mind as they start to step into these different spaces, you know, for those of us who are coming out and being who we are, there's the fear of, okay, where will I be rejected? But then as I've worked through the years, it's been interesting Tammy, to see as I've worked with like couples who a spouse is coming out and the other one is like, okay, I will work with you. (laughs) The straight spouse often is like, well, am I going to be hated for being supportive of this person's journey? And it's such a, it's, it's, a, it makes my heart ache quite honestly, when that happens, because it's like you're being supportive because you love this person and you only want the best for them. Yes. I realize it turned your life inside out, upside down, so to speak. But when you have those fears, it almost makes you wonder, should I keep moving forward? And I love that you kept moving forward. Cause you first, you saw the need, you saw that there was a, there was an opening here. And again, I, I love the twist that, that opening is you as a straight ally going here let me help you figure this out uh, and sometimes people don't realize they need that help i've i've told numerous clients like <laughs> i think you need more than a dating coach you need like a real matchmaker and something you said when you're talking about your husband i loved it i actually wrote this down you wanted to help help with finding the caliber of man that you were looking for i feel like sometimes and I, I love my gay man. Guys, don't hate me whatever what I'm about to say. I love you all dearly, but sometimes you're just going for a man. Any man will do. Doesn't matter. And I'm no women. Straight women do the same thing. I, I get it. But just think about what Tammy said. Caliber of a man. What is the caliber of the caliber of the man you're actually looking and seeking? Right. It's a big differentiator.
1: And I always tell the man that I talk to. I've talked to thousands of men. Over the last eleven years, through the formal matchmaking process, yeah. after interviewing gay men for three and a half months, one on one at my dining room table, to design this company for them, by them, that would be straight ally owned and operated. And I always say, "Listen, I'm not here to judge. I get immediate gratification. I get men are visual, men are sexual, mm-hmm. and, and all humans are right." So. There's the hookup type, and that's fine. No judgment there. And you think us college girls didn't have, you know, the bad boys?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Even
1: though that's not apples to apples. Back then, we would say that's the man you date, not the man you marry. Right. But what I love, you know, my clients range from age 23 to 83. And sometimes during the interview, I ask them, "Have you truly met your equal? Whether that's in education, whether that's in." Uh, whether it's success or accomplishment or even a career you're happy in or in your financial success or your lifestyle of, you know, loving the outdoors or loving to travel like the two of you just did. Have you truly met your equal? Because your equal may be a more sustainable match, meaning he can afford his business flight, too, to go on this great trip and meet you there or you know all the way to maybe it's equitable but not equal in that he he, you know he buys the groceries does the dinners and you buy the plane tickets so can he lean in and be a sustainable relationship for you and and it is a man of caliber whatever you prioritize Mm -hmm. that to your life
0: well yeah how you choose to define that you know and i love the equitable and maybe not equal Um, because I think some, a lot of times people get hung up on that and they're like, we're not a match. I'm like, wow, everything else is, and I hate checkbox, but I'm going to use that term. All the other checkboxes are, and then this one thing is keeping you from this thing when maybe you need to rethink, you know, what's important. Now, I'm not saying give up what you want. I mean, yes, there's definitely, you know, (laughs) I know as a matchmaker, you've probably been like, yeah, I don't think I can, nope, I can't find somebody for you, right? And maybe it isn't the right match, but that's OK, because why put somebody with a match that's not good? That's that's definitely right. a thing. But this letting one, two, three, five, whatever things keep you from 95 percent of what's good. And I don't think there's ever a 100 percent. I think right. that's what makes it beautiful in a relationship that there's a gap. Because in the gaps is where the fun and the growth and the learnings and the appreciations, to me, that's where the magic happens. But maybe I'm just a dreamer. I don't know. I'll tell you, we just
1: got back from our annual international matchmaker conference yesterday. It was my first day back in the office. Mm -hmm. And one of the matchmakers out of New York said it so well. She said, matchmaking, a relationship, is a collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, you bring your 100%. They're bringing theirs But the reality is if you can align with 70% of what each of you is seeking, that's a pretty good collaboration. I used to think naively that, you know, my partner being able to dance was important to me. I grew up with that. That's fine that my husband doesn't dance. He excels in other areas that are just fine. And how I look at it is, I don't see it as a compromise. I see it as a collaboration. He, without even notice, will take me out dancing on average about once a week. I mean, once a month. And he'll even point out that guy looks like a good dancer. You should ask him to dance. I said, I think I will. Uh-huh. You know, and so that's love when you're seeing that your partner has a want, desire, need, and maybe an hour of dancing out at a club and then coming back home together is a pretty hot night. And it's okay that your partner doesn't dance. Well, you know, One of the things, and I know you know it in the community, um, even with men, they would say, oh, I hope he's tall, you know, tall dark, and handsome. So right. sometimes I'll call a client. I tell him all about the other man. He's yeah. like, he sounds great. He sounds great. And at the end, I'll say you, I, and even he wishes he was two inches taller, but he's not. So mm-hmm. he's 5'10". If you don't want to meet him, that's okay. It yeah. usually that my client will say, no, 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 he sounds great. It's not that important. Right. right.
0: It's interesting. Uh, we we have watched Indian matchmaker from time to time. And I, I just, I mean, again, I have done a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I've, I've worked with some matchmakers in LA and everything, had him on the podcast. And it's always so interesting, like the things that people quote get hung up on, right? And I remember, I can't remember the name of the matchmaker on Indian matchmaker, but I remember when she said like, I've given you 70 to 75% of what you want, that's pretty damn good. That's pretty yeah. darn good. You know, because
1: compatibility goes both ways. How I look yes. at it is will these two people more than likely have <clears throat> positive feedback after their first introduction? And will they both want a second date? And yes. we may a second date as well, because we're used to busy bachelors, right? Yeah. At the end of the second date. When they both are planning the third date on their own, I consider that the start of success yes. because compatibility goes both ways. You know, there's a couple of things about you he's not so excited about, or maybe that doesn't interest him, but enough does to keep you curious, to keep you wanting more, to keep you continuing to learn about each mm-hmm. other. That's com- that's how compatibility starts.
0: Yes. It's interesting that you bring that up because, um, as you noted before we started recording, my husband and I just got back from vacation in October and we were on a, a 17 day cruise with an all LGBTQ, you know, group. Mm-hmm. Now, Predominantly, these people were in their early 40s on up because it's just their, you know, certain station in life and all this sort of stuff. The fascinating thing on that cruise, Tammy, was the longevity of relationships. I mean, I've been on gay cruises before. It's like, yeah, it's the party crowd, right? I would say the average average years together at a minimum was 10 to 12. Clear on up and you'll love this story. There was a couple on board. The oldest one of the couple turned 90 on the trip his husband's younger. I couldn't quite figure it out. There was definitely a little bit of generational going on, but not like huge generational, but probably 10 years, maybe 15 years younger. They've been together 48 years. And just, just, just the history within the gay community of like 48 years as a gay couple, that's, that's like, wow, just to sit and talk about that sort of stuff. But to see the longevity of the relationships, my husband and I have been together 22 years. I would say that I was more shocked by the number of people who said, oh yeah, we've been together 18, we've been together 20. I'm like, well, I thought we were the <laughs> I thought we were the <laughs> anomaly, right? But it shows the beauty of this and that it is about compatibility. Yes, you want somebody who's nice to look at and shares interests, but all that is just part of the compatibility piece. There's a lot of stuff my husband and I still don't like 100% jive on, and guess what? That's okay.
1: That Absolutely is okay. a, that is okay. I mean, even my husband's fifteen years older, and they when the matchmaker told me about him, they said he surfs. I don't. I can barely swim. He sails. I've never mm-hmm. been on a sailboat, and he was currently training to climb out Kilimanjaro at wow. the age of, at the age of fifty five without oxygen. And I thought, well, I'm going to Gold's Gym five days a week and killing it. I right. mean, how were we even compatible, right? But the reality is he was high risk. I was risk adverse. We will have been married 15 years. And we ran with the bulls in Pamplona, Spain after we got engaged. You know, we were a good balance for each other. And I think a lot of same-sex couples um, gay men, lesbian women, really need to see that they don't have to mirror you Mm-mm. in everything. Let them bring a little spice to the table. Right. Let them bring something new for you to learn or for them to learn. And that keeps a relationship going. And then start something new together, even mm-hmm. if it's pickleball. I yeah. thought when we started pickleball, I wouldn't be good if he was an avid tennis player and would. No, we equally sucked on the first day. <laughs>
0: And that's a good thing when you're like, okay, we're, we're both learning here. We're both yeah. learning, but I love this differences because even on that cruise, there was an opportunity, um, which most listeners have heard this. So they're probably like, shut up about the cruise, Rick. but there was seven days at sea where we were seven days at sea. What the hell are you going to do on a boat for seven days? Right. So lots of stuff going on there. was like a guy who did some tantric workshops. There was a comedy workshop and I'm like, I'm going to do the comedy workshop. I'm a public speaker. So this, this will push my envelope, so to speak. But what was interesting is out of our social group of friends that we kind of knew from a previous trip on the two of us did the comedy thing when the other partners were asked, why aren't you doing it? They're like, Oh, Oh no. (laughs) Would never do that. But that was, what was so interesting is I'm like, I'm going to do it. My, my girlfriend, Margaret, who did it, she was scared to death, but she's like, I'm going to do this. Her partner's like, Nope, you'd never get me up on a stage doing stand-up comedy, and I think that's the beauty of the diversity, you know, Absolutely. and just letting it, letting it happen. Now, on the flip side, we both did the tantric workshop until I couldn't do it because I couldn't do it because the comedy and the tantric last day workshops were conflicting because I had to get all dived up and ready to do my thing. Right? Yes. I'm like, well, I'm a Leo, so I'm definitely going to go do the comedy thing because I need the spotlight. But even that was a beautiful thing because I'm like, this is kind of cool. It kind of naturally happened that we had those couple moments for the first three tantric workshops. But then I got to go do what I was passionate about. He got to go finish up what he was passionate about. And we had lots of cool stuff to talk about. Like, well, tell me what happened. And da-da-da-da. And it was one of those moments. And this was as a, a trip that rekindled a lot of stuff for us. Not that anything was wrong. But it's like we both came off that cruise saying, I feel like we're closer again.
1: That's fabulous. And I'll tell you, because you do want to be one of the couples. We see them out at the restaurants. It doesn't matter whether they're straight or gay or a member of the LGBTQ community. It's the couples that are still talking. You know, like the guy on the cruise at 90 years, you're 90 years old. For 48 years, they've had fresh conversation at dinner. And you have to lean in in your Mm -hmm. relationship. and. You know, bring something new, try something new as a couple. You're exactly right. Even those excursions and planning a vacation, we just booked one for next year. And already we're watching documentaries to prepare, yes. researching, we're reading new things, all because of booking one trip a year away. Yep. And so whether you're single or whether you're coupled, you've got to stay fresh. And I coached mm-hmm. a lot, doing do unlimited dating coaching with all of my clients, with all the mm-hmm. singles work with. And after pandemic, I said, you've got to stay fresh. If you have nothing fresh to talk about after these last three years, your first dates are really going to fall flat. So whether it's signing up for an Orange Theory class or, you know, trying a new Tai Chi at the park, you know, something fresh that you can talk about after the stale years that we've been through.
0: But even being able to talk about the fresh stuff you did during the pandemic. I mean, to me, the pandemic, okay, we, regardless of how everybody feels about it, there was so much learning about self and thinking, okay, what's next? I mean, my other part of my business is public speaking. And I thought we were going to die because who's going to hire speakers during the pandemic, right? Well, guess what? We created a whole new thing that was virtual speaking. And suddenly we were like, busier than we knew what to do with but i think there's a beautiful thing to be able to talk about like i don't i haven't really done anything since the pandemic yes but what did you do in the pandemic there's a conversation starter in and of itself be curious for them i always say to my clients the only way you're ever going to be interesting to someone is to be interested in them
1: and then suddenly
0: you're really interesting wow rick asked a lot of questions about me and stuff and then A lot of times that's what opens the two way doorway, because you may be talking to somebody who's like, I don't know how to do this. And then you're mirroring to them how to make it happen. So I love that you do like, as you said, this unlimited like dating coaching as you're working with your clients. So here is one of my questions. The person who says, oh, I don't think it's for me. I don't think I could invest in that. Of course, my first response is when you invest in yourself, everything changes. So what do you do with the person who's like, oh, I think it'd be good, but I don't know if this is a good investment for me. And I know I'm kind of, that's kind of a broad brushstroke, but there's some interesting responses I'm sure that you have for that.
1: What's interesting is I don't advertise. I let the singles who are seeking a committed relationship find me. Now, after we do the interview, everyone I introduce in all these years has done the interview with me in a background check. So I truly know the men, the women that I'm introducing. What's interesting is if after the interview, they say, I don't know. I I don't know if this is for me. It's a case by case basis, but sometimes I'll say, okay, well, let's talk in a year and let's see how many dates you've gone on real people you've met, not just ones you think you're talking to online Maybe some short-term relationships you've started. How many have led to a third and fourth date? Anthropologists that I follow say it takes four good dates when you meet someone new to see if they could potentially be in your future. So work on it for a year. Be your own matchmaker. I'm in no rush. I'm not going anywhere. But in a year, let's see how well you've done. Oftentimes in six months, I may ping them and say, just checking in, and then they will literally say, oh, my gosh, I'm realizing today it's been six months since I've talked to you. I literally have not been on one date. Wow. And then I say, okay, now you're 48. Let's talk about that because you've got a milestone birthday coming up. You know, we all do, right, every five years. So what do you want to accomplish between now and then? Because in that six months, you've missed – some family birthdays, holidays, excursions, some outings that you could have had a quality plus one. And even if it wasn't going to be your forever relationship, it could have been a quality relationship. So if you want to talk before the year is over, I'm still available. So sometimes checking in and let people be self-aware that they want to do it for themselves, but they're much better at their work. They're much better at taking care of their elderly parents. They're much better as a good you know, wingman or good friend, but they're not helping themselves.
0: Right. And that's a good, that's a good awareness to have somebody like you in their court to go, Hey, I see is a really good wingman, but guess what? You're not doing the wingman for yourself, which that's a different skill. You know, I can, I can connect people. It's kind of ironic. I have guys that I've coached that then come to my, you know, singly coach them. And then once a month, I have this once a month, like, Hey, let's just get together 40 plus gay guys. We have a zoom call once a month. I can't even tell you at this stage how many of those people have made connections because they're part of, quote, my community. And I'm not pushing the dating, right? I'm just like, hey, you were a client of mine. But it's really interesting to see that happen. But it's because they took the initiative. They're moving into action. So to that point of like, okay, I'm going to let you go for a few months and like, let's see what happens or even a year. It's interesting that you say it takes that three to four touch points because as soon as you said that, so here Rick's going to step back into his vice president of marketing (laughs) mode. It's just like selling a product. You need seven to 10 touch points to get someone to buy into your brand and to buy your brand. It's the same thing with finding a partner. You can't expect miracles after the first or second date. It takes all those touch points to make it happen. And I, I think back to when I was, so my husband and I met online. We literally met online years ago back when Planet Out was still an option on the internet. And it took us, well, it didn't take us long because we touched, we we met the week of 9-11 and by the weekend after Mm. 9-11, we were meeting for the first time, but it was still several touch points through there to go, okay, is this thing gonna go someplace? And I think people in general, but I'm gonna especially say again, guys, I love you, but gay men can be very impatient. It either needs to just like, boom, happen, or it's not going to work and i think patience and grace is one of the key things that you have to give yourself when you're playing in this space and i'm assuming from your head nods you feel very similarly.
1: absolutely here's what in the beginning my business model said we pick the restaurant we tell you about each other we manage the first date the first introduction we do a live feedback call the next day if but and i don't tell one party what the other one says but if it sounds like it both, you know, both really enjoyed it, they'd like hanging out again. We coordinate the second date as well. In the beginning, people would question, "Well, why are you managing the first two dates?" And I said, "Well, through my focus group research, here's what I learned about gay man. I'm the objective observer, and that's nice. where you, a straight ally, you know, we don't have skin in the game, right?" So as an objective observer, here's what I would see at my LGBT events I would go to, whether it was HRC, federal club member receptions, the Gay chamber, men would say, oh, we really connected. And then, you know, the next month they were like, hey, good to see you again. We never grabbed that margarita. I know, let's do, yeah, let's do. But they don't. And here's why I say, there's no estrogen in the game. Mm -hmm. Women... If I make us women get shit done. You think straight husbands want to go on anniversary dinners? No. The woman makes that happen. So my objective observation is two gay men could be interested in each other, but neither takes the lead or the initiative for the follow-up to propose a date, time, location to meet for that drink that you said you were going to do. Mm -hmm. And then a month later, you run into each other, and you've just missed a month of Mm -hmm. reconciliation with that person and that's why we coordinate the second date very quickly
0: yep. so
1: that now they have each other's contact information now we nudge them go ahead propose a date time location get out there yep. and what I love that you said too, well ago about how you gather your community once a month for an online you know check-in men tell me in the interview and they have for almost a dozen years I want to meet a man who's also done the work. Yes. Say it that broadly. And we all know what that means. Each individual knows what that means. So you are already introducing a subset of men that have done the work, you know, because they've worked with you. They leaned in, they took initiative. They wanted some coaching. They wanted to work on what they needed to be the most eligible single and now they're in the community of meeting the same. It's the reason I don't host events. If I hosted <laughs> events, all my clients would meet each other and I'd be out of business. Exactly.
0: But,
1: but for you to do it, I think is very generous
0: for you to do. Well, it's just, it's such a, so here's how this even came into being. <clears throat> Actually, here's how this whole podcast came into being. It was originally 40 plus real men, real talk. Cause I'm like, I want to work with men. I, I, I tend to have this energy that I can cross the gay straight lines pretty simply. And I've done a lot of retreats in that space. And so I'm like, I'm going to do this podcast. Well, the podcast was rolling along probably 30 episodes or so in before the pandemic hit. I'm like, okay, well, if we're going to all be holed up, I'm going to like create a community. So like, hey, guys, let's meet once a month, you know, just to stay in touch, rolled it out. Actually, at that point, I was thinking we were doing twice a month, just like, "Hey, we have let's we got to keep connections going, right?" By the second meeting, Tammy, I'm looking at these guys and going, "I think most of these guys are gay," but I don't want to say that, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, "So you know what?" So finally, by the third meeting, I'm like, "I just I, I got to figure this out because it was kind of like." Like, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I going for the wrong crowd? And I said, so I really appreciate you all being listeners of 40 plus real men, real talk. And I'm just curious, like what kind of content's really standing out to you? I do some content with gay guys. I do stuff that's for men in general. And so one of the guys said, well, as long as you do the the gay content, I am all in. But when it's like just something else, I'm not really in. I thought, okay, here's my opening. Like, is there anybody else on the call that feels that way? Like, I'd love to hear in the chat or something. There were 22 guys on that call. 20 (laughs) of them said, we love the gay content. We wish you'd do more of it. then I'm looking at the other two. I'm like, well, I know you two because you're clients of mine. So I know you're gay. So I said, (laughs) okay, I don't want to offend anybody, but I kind of think everybody who were just responding kind of led me to realizing, I think everybody on this call tonight is gay. What if I changed the podcast to be gay focused? And that's how this all came into being. I'm like, let's go after my market, right? Well, then it's just continued. Now, obviously, like you, I'm like, I can't do this twice a month. I just because I was doing one for my coming out guys, too. And I finally whittled it down to once a month. It's kind of like, hey, if you're a new listener, come join us. We have subject matter. Let's do this. Obviously, it's just to create community. And obviously, community oftentimes leads to business. And that's why I continue to do it. Here's what I've noticed. To your point. (laughs) Again, guys, I love you. Gay men are men. And, and they'll take action on certain things, but there's other stuff. They will not take action on. And quite honestly, I have seen this over and over and over again, but if you lead them to the water, they'll do it, but they've got to have that incentive to do it. And this is something I've worked with every guy I've ever coached around. How do you start to date in the gay dating world? You have to take action. You can't just stand there and wait to be, well, okay. Some of them think they're the princess and. The prince is going to come along, right? But I think that's such a valued point that you brought up. Like you have to be in action mode. And I love that you help your clients go, okay, you did this, now we're doing this next.
1: Well, it's here's what I part like, of the
0: success.
1: Yes. Thank you for that. What I love too is sometimes I will introduce a non-client. Maybe it's a fabulous person I've interviewed, but maybe they didn't become a client. Well, I approve them. To meet one of my clients. I don't market that. Now it's obviously out there, um, no pen intended. But what's interesting is if I'm introducing a non-client to a client, I yeah. tell them, I tell them, listen, if you're interested in this client of mine, I need you to pursue him. And here's why. As my client, he is hearing from me once a month. He averages mm-hmm. an introduction a month. So if you're interested in him, I would pursue him. And I can help coach you on that because when I call him next month with his next introduction, I hope that he's interested in you too and he yes. wants to go and hold. Mm-hmm. So you've got, to, you've got to do the work and let and make, make him aware that you're interested. You've got to propose getting together. You've got to suggest things to do in ways to connect. You have to do more than texting you need yes. to hear each other's voice you need to see each other's face and you need to have some shared experiences mm-hmm. because the next guy in line may pursue him a little bit more so I'm really going to nudge you you know, to lean into this Yeah,
0: I also feel like for gay men actually men but I see this in gay men a lot more prevalent you're so afraid to make a move and guess what for the most part so is he exactly They're both afraid to make the move, you know, and it's like, okay, Nothing's going to make you better at being social than just making the move. And if it fails, okay, maybe it failed with that one. But the next time you make that move, maybe it'll work. And it's not just in dating. It's in friendships and everything. But I love my gay men. But and I'm guilty of this, too. I could I as out as I am, Tammy, and on podcasts and speak on stages. Oh, like walking onto that ship. There was a little bit of, okay, this is like a whole new experience, right? And then when I like slapped myself upside the head after I got on the boat, I'm like, just just be you, Rick. Just show yeah. up. Just, you know, and it is a it is a muscle that has to be worked. I'm not going to say it's not easy, guys. It, it isn't easy if you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. But I think because as gay men and the rest of the LGBTQ letters, but as gay men, that is sense of rejection goes so deep of you can't be this and this isn't who you're right. supposed to be and all this stuff it's not surprising that that wounding carries forward so so I want to throw a question to you real quick that I I feel like has to be one of the bigger challenges because I see it in my own practice. So you're matchmaking and the guy says he really really wants a relationship but he doesn't know what that looks like and then the monogamy word comes up and he's like, well no I'd rather be open. That's got to be an interesting space to play.
1: Well, as a certified matchmaker, I was really prepared for that Mm -hmm. in the beginning. I researched, so I can only think like a gay man just so far. You guys have three at the rest of the way home, right? (laughs) So I really prepared for that. Now, after 11 years, I'm shocked that those interviewing with me, they bring up monogamy they bring up when they've been cheated on in the past they bring up I really want a committed relationship with fidelity wow I wasn't expecting that but it allows everyone else who's not to find their space their avenue Um, you know they're on ramp for the guys that want those open relationships but um, my guys want commitment and sometimes we say commitment versus monogamy. Sometimes we use the word fidelity. I mean, there's variations. I'm I'm very aware. But the majority that I interview with have had a committed relationship before and are seeking one again. And sometimes they'll even say, I don't know, Timmy, what you would consider a long-term relationship. I was in a relationship for two years. And I'll say, well, that's longer than a Kardashian marriage. Yes, So yes, that's That is. That it's a long-term relationship in the community. And it, so, it, you know, don't worry about the definition. What is it that you're seeing that you're wanting? I'm also surprised by the number of men wanting a family or a child or mm-hmm. children. I have men in their 50s and 60s um, having children. Yeah, And yeah. I knew when Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper yeah. were. At their age, that they were going to start having children, I knew it would be a new trend, not a trend, it would be a new uh, permission. That permission, I, exactly. I now see someone that's successful at starting a family at this age. If they can do it, I can do it too. Absolutely. And so, and the beauty too is how many men I interview that are excited that they could meet a single dad in their 50s. Wow. Okay. We were talking about that a dozen years ago, Mm -mm. you know?
0: My husband and I, so we met when my youngest daughter was 18 months old. My oldest was not quite six. And I'm not speaking out of term here, folks. He said one of the things that attracted me to him was that I was a parent, that I had responsibilities, that I knew how to manage that. And it's not for everybody. I get that. But I I have seen it. I, I mean... I see it every day in my practice, obviously, but even in the community, I, I marched out thinking, oh, I'm like the only guy. And then the first time I was hanging out with one of my best friend at a gay bar in Laguna Beach, I'm like, I met like five guys like, oh yeah, I was married to a woman too. I'm like, well, I thought I was special, <laughs> you know, but I think you're right. These are these interesting things. And, and when I go through some of these anomalies, like, well, I, I don't, Really want to be with a guy with kids or i really would like to find a guy with kids or i want to be in a in a relationship but i don't necessarily want it to be monogamous my standard stance is okay first understand clearly why you want it that way be very clear own that own it because if you're not owning it that's when problems are going to start you may hide it i mean i had a guy tell me one time like yeah i've been dating this guy for almost three months and he doesn't know i have kids i'm like Red flag. disaster waiting to happen Right there, like what you're going to hide them the rest, of, the yeah. rest of your life. But um, so I'm just again so thrilled that you took time out of your busy schedule to be here. Um, I think it, that you support the way well, you do,
1: and thank you for what you do. I'm always, I'm always looking for additional resources and experts. Yep. And when I first learned of you, I was so thrilled because I'm a certified matchmaker. I'm not a licensed therapist. I can't be all things to all people. Right.
0: So that's what I say, too.
1: Yeah, I listen There's too much work. Yeah, that is what's key is when I listen to a new single that I'm talking to, and I hear what their needs are. I love referring them to you. I mean, I can tell them, you know, I can advise you on what to say to your partner, or your spouse or your wife But there is someone that I think you should talk to as a resource.
0: There's a, there's a a lived experience. I mean, you've lived the experience of being, you know, in a relationship through a matchmaker. So, so if somebody wants to work with you, what's the best way for them to reach out and, and you guys seriously, don't, don't let the fears and what it might cause. Don't worry about that yet. Like take the experience of at least reach out and have a conversation. So if they wanted to reach out (laughs) to you, Tammy, where's the best place for them to reach out?
1: So, the website h4m.com, h4m.com, you can make an inquiry through the website. You can call our 855 number, our toll free number. Um, It's all confidential. We like to have a conversation with you. I like to have a conversation with you. If staff happens to answer, feel free to ask for me. And let's have a conversation, maybe schedule a Zoom interview. There's no pressure, there's no deadline. Uh, You and I will know whether we're a good match and whether it's a good time for really ready for quality introductions. And uh, I think there's an energy shift when you talk to the matchmaker, because you are all of a sudden putting out in the world that you're truly ready, that this is what you're seeking without apology, that this is what would be compatible for you. And sometimes it will change the energy in your own life. You could go to the coffee shop tomorrow and meet him the day after talking to me. Mm -hmm. I've had it happen more times than I could count.
0: Yeah. And this could be, folks, it's the holiday season. This could be the best holiday present you could give yourself is a call to Tammy and her team and just explore it. It may may not go anywhere for you, but put that energy out. Because again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. When you invest in yourself, everything changes and even if that investment is just an introductory exploration call, it says okay. I'm putting myself on a path. Right. Uh, it it ex- doesn't happen overnight.
1: It doesn't happen yeah. overnight. You know, to start the conversations now, whether it's with you or with me or um whether you know considering maybe at the first of the year, I'm not going to put all my eggs in <laughs> in the basket of online dating. Maybe I'll have you know a combo uh, mm-hmm. working with the matchmakers, still be active on one of the sites. You know, AI is coming more and more into those sites, into where uh, we want we want to introduce real people to real people. Yes. We, we want to do it quickly. And we want you in a relationship, you know, ideally before the end of the year, for the start of the new year. Yeah. I remind everyone with online dating, I'm not judging, but their business model is to have engaged users. A matchmaker's business model is to get you engaged.
0: Yep. I love that. Love that There's so, so much. So yeah. well, Tammy, thank you so much. Happy holidays to you and yours and everybody listening. And take take a little bit of time and invest. That's all I'm asking is invest. And I think Tammy is such an amazing ally to our community. She knows what she talks about and she gets our our community so well. Wouldn't you rather work with somebody like that than like, okay, let's just go find the next matchmaker and see what they can do. So um, again, thank you so much for being you and giving to our community and to the world, your amazing energy and insight and knowledge. I surely really appreciate you, Tammy.
1: Thank you. My pleasure and delight, truly.
0: That's a wrap for 40 Plus Gay Men, Gay Talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men, Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.